capturing the world. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is David Carmichael II with the Capture the World podcast. I have another great special guest. Um, this is actually episode 80, 80 of the podcast. So, like I said before, I have another great special guest for you guys. Um, her name is her. She actually she's a doctor, Doctor Laurel Mines. Um, Doctor Laurel is a physical therapist, athletic performance trainer, and a sports mental performance coach to her clients. Um, she's a caring and fun drill sergeant who knows how to get results every time. Dr. Laurel received her doctor in physical therapy degree from the top-rated MGH Institute of Health Professions in Boston. Mrs. Laurel, Dr. Laurel, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing really great today. Thank you, and thanks, David, for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited for our conversation today. I'm sorry, say that one more time. It has you um, you on, on mute. Okay, great. So, yeah, thanks so much for having me today. Uh, I'm really excited to be here in this conversation with you, David. Awesome, awesome. I am too. I am too. So, um, so let's get a little bit about your your background and about yourself, like where you grew up at, and kind of what led you to become a physical therapist. How did that come about? So, I grew up in Asheville, North Carolina on the East Coast, and um, I was an athlete growing up. I played varsity tennis, and I did competitive cheerleading. We did win a national championship in our competitive cheerleading my senior year, so I know what it's like to compete at a high level and bring home that championship. Awesome, awesome. Um, So so did you, you like, you said in high school, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So did you did you um continue that in college when you went to college? I did not. I got more into my studies than my sports at that time and okay. was thinking I was going to go to medical school, but that just didn't seem to capture me. So <laughs> ended up graduating school and, you know, I've already always been pretty active and I was also interested in the medical field. So looked into physical therapy school and yeah, went into physical therapy, got my degree, traveled around, worked all over the country, including places like Las Vegas and Texas, California, Hawaii. And yeah, after a while, um, I got this calling, this pulling in my life to expand and do something greater than just, you know, working at a clinic and started my own practice just over a year ago, like maybe a year and a half ago, started my own practice. And, you know, I, I train and coach and develop young athletes, high school and middle school, primarily. I do work with some older athletes. I work with professional athletes too. But um, yeah, I got this calling to work with these young athletes. And then I also developed how important your mindset is for sports. Um, you know, mental performance mindset is really like 80% of the game. The rest is about 20%. Mm -hmm. So in my own journey in sports, you know, this cheerleading team I walked onto, they were already a winning team. 
So I walked onto this winning team. So they were able to like lift me up and pull me along, but I didn't really have the mental performance or the champion mindset at that time. And I had some experiences in high school where, you know, one experience was, you know, my dad would sometimes pick me up late from practice and I thought maybe I'm just not good enough. And if I was better, then he would come and pick me up on time and he prioritized me. So I said, I just need to do better and do more in my life. So that's what I went out to do was more and better. And I stepped on this hamster wheel and I didn't get off of it. I was chasing that one accomplishment after another, after another, and never being satisfied, never happy. You know, you just chasing, 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 and really never getting to that sense of fulfillment. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. So, um, you say you mo- you work mostly with high school, and uh, well, high school and, and middle school kids. Um, before I get to that, um, I guess leading up to you, you know, going through school and everything, um, was it was would you consider that like difficult? Was it difficult for you to get? Um, the education behind that to, you know, do what you're doing now? How was that for you? Yeah, it's definitely challenging. Um, physical therapy school is a graduate degree. It's a doctor of physical therapy now. It's very competitive because it is a nice profession. You know, we're not just sitting behind a desk and, you know, poking keys on a keyboard. We're up interacting with people, moving around, really helping people. So it is a definitely... Um, a difficult profession. Um, It's very competitive, but it's very um, fulfilling at the same time. And um, I went to a really good school. I got some really good training. And some of my training was around pain science. So I realized that pain was almost more of a mental, emotional, and psychological experience than a physical experience. Mm -hmm. And you know, pain is a physical experience, but the mental, emotional, and psychological component of it was so huge. And I started training people around their mindset, around their pain, you know, pretty much out of school. And then whenever I started my own practice and my own business, and I transitioned to the young people and the young athletes, and I was able to get off my own hamster wheel of chasing all these successes and never being fulfilled. I did some of my own work for myself. And so between the pain science and the own, my own work that I did to get myself off that hamster wheel, chasing the more monster, I was able to realize that mental component is so important. And that's where I really got this passion for helping young people to overcome this stuff way yeah. sooner than I was able to and right. not be running on this hamster wheel for decades of their life. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Um, so when you, after you got out of college and, um, cause I see in the background, it says Bay Laurel athletics. Um, so how long have you had, this is your company, correct? Yeah, this is my company. I've had it for, um, about a year, year and a half. I mean, the first part of it was some development and I'll tell you a story about the name. So I was working with um, a company for branding and naming for my company. And 
we listed all these names, did all this research, all this stuff. And it was funny. It came full circle back to me. And the bay laurel is the plant that the reefs, the champion reefs were made out of okay. in um, Roman and Greek games. Um, athletic games in the Roman and Greek um, empires mm -hmm. and they would take the bay laurel leaves and make wreaths out of them and that's what the champions wore oh, so okay. that's what I named the company after bay laurel because it's the wreath that the champions wore so it's a sign of championship it just happens to be that you're my a champion. name's laurel you're yeah. a champion yeah yeah, that, that's my cool. name's Laurel, and I'm also in the Bay Area in near San Francisco. Oh, wow. So some people think it's named after me in the Bay Area, but it's really the the Champion Reef that it's really named after. Right, it, that's the perfect name. It's like it got so many different meanings, even meanings that you didn't even you didn't, you didn't even mean for it to have. Like you know, people might think it's the Bay Area, but it's not. So it's that with the Bay Laurel Reef, and then your name is Laurel. It's, it's a lot of connections, championships. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, and I yeah, we and we do breed champions in in my, you know, in the training that I do. Okay, okay. That's awesome. So um I guess, you know, how all right, when you when you got your doctorate and you started getting clients, like what did you what did you do to start getting clients? Like this was it based off people already knowing who you are? Like how did that work in the beginning? Like you getting clients and working with people like that? Yeah, so it was simple in some ways and difficult in other ways. Um, the way it was simple was that I was already a physical therapist. So I'm saying I'm still a physical therapist, right? And I'm just adding on something. I'm adding on the mental performance coaching. So that was kind of easy to say, hey, you know, I am a physical therapist and I'm doing my own thing now and I'm adding this other service available. Um the challenging thing was that I always worked for another company. So I was always associated with another company. So I had to rebrand myself and share who I was and what I'm up to in the world as my, my own self outside of all the different companies that I had worked for. And so I had to almost reinvent myself, right? right. As this independent person separate from, you know, my past and what I did in the past and who I worked for. And, you know, I worked for a company in the same area that I opened my business. So I've had to transform some of those relationships to say, hey, I'm not at this company and this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm up to. Okay. 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 Um, so when it comes to like you having your clients, because um, I know, like I said, you started, you was doing, you know, physical, you're a physical therapist, athletic performance trainer, and a sports mental performance coach. Uh, when it comes to your clients, like, what do you do? I guess you can relate it to each field, or maybe you can bring it all together, like, as far as, like, getting the most out of, out of your clients. Like, what are some maybe tactics or things that you try to do to get the most out of your clients to help them, you know, maybe get through an injury or just help, helping them with the mental part of it? Like, what are some things you do to kind of get the most out of them? So what I found is that most athletes are leaving talent on the sidelines mm -hmm. and it can be physical or mental. Um, most athletes aren't training mental performance. Um, yeah. I did a unofficial study of a professional sports team. They have 90 players and only 10, about 10% 
about 10 of the 90 players were actually getting some kind of mental performance coaching. So mental performance um, is the, probably the most undertrained and most developed underdeveloped um, skill in all of sports, including professional sports. So an athlete to train and develop their mental performance can give them a huge leading edge over the competition. As far as the physical side of it, um, I do see some, you know, a lot of the clients are injured and they're rehabbing from injury. And with those, we want to get them back to a hundred percent plus we want to get them back to better than pre-injury so that they can train at the high level that they need to, especially if they're competitive and not risk that re-injury. You know, the difficulty comes in with some therapists or and trainers, they don't train them all the way to what they need to train to, to get back to the high level of performance that they need to. And then they end up injured again, again, or in a cycle of injury. And then the other challenging thing is with our young people, sometimes they're like, Oh, it's good enough. I got this. And they'll stop the training and rehab a little too soon. So it does take a team, parents, coaches, therapists, the student athlete to say like, when, are we good enough that you can perform at your top and prevent the injury? Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah the other thing on the physical side that the, is the most underdeveloped in athletes is power. Mm-hmm. So you have strength, which is generating force. Power is generating force over a quicker, a smaller amount of time. So it adds that time element and, underdeveloped power will set people up for injury and prevent them from performing well. So I do look a lot at power training and testing it and seeing where they are in developing the power, because from the physical side, that's probably the most underdeveloped aspect of an athlete that will either hold them back or set them up for injury is not having enough power. So when you say power, you're just talking about like strength wise, like um, like them not being strong enough for like I guess you're, like it, it wasn't strong enough before. So if it was strong enough before, it probably wouldn't happen. Or is that what you're saying? Or in relation to that? Yeah, this is this is a really good question. You know, your confusion is a lot like every a lot of people have this confusion that strength and power are kind of the same thing. Like, oh, I just need more strength and then I'll be more powerful. But they're actually separate and different. So when I talk about power, that's that explosive training, that jumping, bounding, like creating that forceful power. And, uh, you know, a lot of people train it on two legs at one time, but a lot of people aren't training power on a single limb or they're not training upper body power, or, you know, another thing that I see is people get power from their trunk, from Mm -hmm. extending and flexing their trunk. Um, And because they're lacking power in their legs, like they might be lacking calf power or quad power, then they're picking up compensations from their trunk. And I've even seen like spinal fractures because they were losing power in their legs and trying to generate compensate more power through their trunk. So decreased power can 
set you up so, for some pretty, you know, bad injuries that'll take you out of the game for a while, like these spinal fractures or ACL tears, things like that. Yeah. And relating to like ACL tears, I feel like, you know, I, I watch sports, I watch football and basketball, and it seemed like that's the ACL is like one of the most common injuries I've seen um, by athletes. And like, how, what do you know for sure? Or do you have maybe like a, a answer to why the ACL is probably like the most, one of the most frequent um, injuries from athletes? Like, it seemed like I see that a lot. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's going to be sports specific. Mm-hmm. So some sports have more ACL injuries than others. Another, a big, you know, sport that has a lot of ACL injuries is soccer. Right. And there's some different aspects, um, you know, young female athletes, they have laxity in their ligaments from their hormone development that puts them at risk of ACL injuries. So where you can compensate for that, some of that laxity of your ligaments because of hormonal changes in adolescence, you can pick it up with training power and strength. Okay. So you can overtrain the muscles to help support the joints and the ligaments and tendons. So that's one way to compensate. There's some other things that can set you up for ACL injuries. Um, Turf, Mm. um, playing soccer or sports on turf can set you up for more ACL injuries because you know, your cleats kind of stick onto the turf and then they don't move like in the grass, you know, your cleat goes into the grass and then you kind of pull the grass up as you, as you turn and pivot and rotate, but your foot kind of can get stuck in the turf a little bit and not, not move as well. So then that force goes through the knee and can definitely lead to ACL tears on, on turf. So there, there are some different aspects in different sports that will set you up for higher risk of ACL tears. There is a test that I do. It's called the Y balance test or the star excursion test. And it tests um, how likely you are to have a lower body injury in these sports. So I do do some screening and testing to see who's at risk of ACL tear more than not okay okay um yeah because because you mentioned like the turf um and you know relating to football because i watch football um i know a lot of athletes complain that most of the stadiums use artificial turf a lot and they prefer to play on grass and i don't know why the owners decide to you know put turf in a lot of their stadiums but I, i i did see that on tv where they were saying you know if they was to use like more real grass as the playing surface then that can prevent a lot of injuries um i don't know if the turf is cheaper to i guess place in the stadium when it's maybe it's hard might be hard to like keep up with the grass and you know the uptake of it and got to keep watering it and mowing it maybe that's why um yeah definitely like that's definitely an issue like i'm sure turf is cheaper to maintain than the grassy fields but you know, the, the bad side is it is going to set them up for ACL tears way more. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Um, so when it comes to your clients, have you had like any like famous clients come in or like famous athletes or what, what what would I, I guess I'm saying like, what's the highest, like maybe level of a professional you had to, um, as a client. 
Yeah, some some of the cool athletes that I've trained um, is one is a professional dancer. Okay. She I did mental performance training with her. It was really cool because we were able to separate what was mental performance versus what was the skill of remembering the dance moves. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of collapsing mental performance and that skill of remembering the dance moves. And we were able to kind of uncollapse it and deal with her mental performance. And then the skill of remembering the dance moves in the sequence, it really set her up for success. So that was a cool one. And I, I trained a professional wakeboarder Okay. and I also have trained uh, extreme athletes. Um, currently, I have a kite kiteboarder. Okay. So, if you, I don't know who, if the audience knows about kiteboarding, but you have a very large kite, like you know, eight meter, ten meter, twelve meter kite, and lines, and the kite with the wind is pulling you through the water on a board, and you can generate a lot of force upward force and do really high jumps of uh, a professional just got the world record for the highest kite boarding jump. I can't remember what it was, but I think it was maybe 110 feet. Okay. Jumping um, on the kite boarding. Um, that was not my client, but uh, you know, I do train some um, extreme athletes like kite boarders Another cool athlete that I've been training is an ultra athlete. She's running a race called Racing the Planet. Um, I think it's about 120 or 25 miles through desert terrain in about five days. So I wow. think it's close to about a marathon a day yeah. with this race. And then, yeah, <laughs> so I've trained some really really interesting athletes on all spectrums. My youngest mental performance training client was a 10 year old gymnast. Oh, wow. So her mom came to me, was referred to me because her daughter had some negative self-talk. So that was kind of like, I want to do all this stuff, but I'm not that good and I'll never be that good. And, you know, just, putting herself down and yeah. So her mom came to me, hired me and we took her through this program and she, her glass ceiling was my dad calls me a champion. And if I don't win the championship, then I'm not a champion. And then he's not proud of me. Oh, wow. So there was all this pressure to be this champion at all possible costs. Her dad wasn't proud of her. And of course, her dad's proud of her. This is just her experience, right? Yeah. So through, like, I don't really know what the glass ceiling is for these athletes. And what I'm talking about is you can't get past the ceiling, but you can't see it, right? And this was her glass ceiling. And through the coaching that I do, it's like a discovery process. So we discover what the athlete's glass ceiling was. And this was her glass ceiling. And to break through it, she discovered that if she shows up and does her best, she is proud of herself. Her team and her coaches are proud of her. Her dad and her parents are proud of her. And if she doesn't perform as well as she'd like, she can get the support she needs. 
she can deal with the failure of it without taking her out. Right. So she was able to generate her own sense of pride in what she's doing and really take on failures very powerful, powerfully so that they're just a step to success without a downward spiral. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's awesome. So, and, you know, as far as the whole mental health thing, man, I know, um, you know, I, I've seen it again on TV where a lot of athletes speak out about their mental health and um, just the pressures of, you know, wherever sport they're in to, to do good. And, you know, you have fans that are rooting for you. If you play bad, they kind of make you feel bad. And it's like, you know, and I guess I'm saying all that to say, like, um, why do you feel mental health is important in in sports? Um, I mean, overall, really, but, you know, when you play sports, I know it's like a lot of mental health from, from you know, like you said, when the little, the little 10-year-old uh, gymnast up until you're like a professional in the in the major leagues or NBA, NFL, you know, professional soccer. Um, like, why do you think it's important to, for people to have good mental health in sports? Cause even with like the NFL, with the CTE and that kind of affects their brain. Um, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of that. So like, um, and I guess a lot of people might think that, you know, they're just athletes they make a lot of money. They don't go through nothing because they're rich, you know, you know what I'm saying? I, I've heard <laughs> yeah. that aspect of it too. So I guess I'm trying to say, like, why do you think mental health is important in sports? And um, you kind of already touched on it, but what else can you add to kind of um, to say to, I guess, the athletes out there that might be listening to to help them with the pressures of being good in their sport or whatever pressures they might have when it comes to that? First of all, it's a crazy world we live in today. It really is crazy out there. And we're dealing with a lot of stuff, not just as adults, but as kids too, you know, like when I grew up, you know, I'm kind of glad I didn't have social media. I'm glad I didn't have cameras chasing me around watching every move. Right. And that just adds to more pressure. So, you know, an athlete's dealing with making the grades because now schools are competitive as right. ever, right? Like, you know, college degree is just the next high school degree, right? So there's all this pressure to like go to college and more people are going to college. So there's all this pressure to be a student. And then there's all this pressure to be an athlete and perform. And, you know, there, there's more athletes now and they're competing for less scholarships. And, you know, then, then there's society and social pressures and social media. And you're, you're seeing all this stuff out there and you're comparing yourself to, the world and there's all this information coming in and you know we, we have all these opinions and judgments and assessments coming at us and we don't know how to filter them and you know come up with our own judgment and assessment of what our life is like or what life should be like or what we want it to be like and we're also dealing with this influx of information information is just coming at us from every side, right? And our brains are just over time, overwhelmingly trying to process all of this information that is being thrown at us through all these different avenues. And that can put a lot of pressure on us. There's a lot of external pressure. There's a lot of internal pressure. And that external pressure can create this internal pressure. With this information coming in, 
we also don't know what's reality or not, right? We look on social media and the grass always looks greener over there with them, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start to compare yourself with something over there that's maybe not even reality. And you think to be good enough, you have to be like that good or better, but it's not even like the truth or real. And it's just a fantasy. So we're up against the fantasy that this information is throwing at us. And as a young kid seeing that, it's hard to like dive into yourself and create something of your life without trying to keep up with the pressure of all these fantasies around you, right? And in this coaching that I do, I help these young people create the life that they want. And I help them to make powerful decisions and generate their own sense of self-worth and confidence and pride with the work that they're doing. And I also help them deal with powerfully with whatever pressures are out there that there is to deal with. And then not hang out in the past, but actually deal with, you make a decision. Now you're going to deal with the impact of that decision, no matter what it is. Right. But we could probably talk all day about this topic. Nah, for real. It's, um, I mean, but it's a, it's a real topic though. And it's some, you know, some people might be afraid to express how they're feeling or don't even have nobody to talk to that can help them with it. Um, so I definitely commend you for, you know, what you do. And, you know, like you said, starting off young, if you can like um, get through your, your struggles at, at a young age, you'll be able to get through it maybe easier when you get older. Um, you know, cause you know, life is a lot of pressures in life, you know what I'm saying? Especially for, and I can understand how somebody that's a uh, athlete, a young athlete that they still gotta get their good grades and, you know, show up for practice and try to perform at a high level at their sport and do it again in the classroom and, you know, the, and the peer pressure comes with being in school, you know, and all that. So, um, you know, people need somebody that can count on that can, that can help them with it. And, um, like I said, I definitely commend you by doing what you're doing. Um, cause I used to play basketball when I was in high school and, you know, for me, I know it was a lot of pressure trying to do good in school. Like I got to go to class and then right after class, I'm going to practice and then after practice, I got to catch the bus home and then go to school all over again and do practice mm-hmm. all over again. So, you know, I, I, I understand um, how it can be a lot of pressure. And, you know, social media wasn't at its peak when I was in school. It was kind of like just getting started with like MySpace and all that. Um, but now mm-hmm. we have like TikTok and Instagram, Facebook, and everybody has a a camera on their phone. And, you know, any little thing, you know, can be put on social media so I can definitely understand how it can be even more pressure these days. So, um, yeah. And unfortunately student athlete suicide is actually the third leading cause of death of student athletes. Wow. And I think the number one um, cause of death of athletes are accidents followed by cardiovascular issues followed by suicide. So it's the third leading cause of death and it's a preventable cause of death. But it's kind of like back there in the blind spots, like no one's really, you know, we're not always talking about it. And the people that are suffering the most aren't talking about it. And some of these athletes you would never expect, right? 
So I do like to talk about it and say, hey, this is a real thing. Like these student athletes are dealing with a tremendous about amount of pressure, anxiety, overwhelm, and all the things that we were just talking about. You know, we also add the pandemic on top of this, right? Like that's just another layer of this craziness that we're dealing with. And so the work that I do helps young people to have healthy avenues for their own, you know, stress and overwhelm and anxiety and teaching them how to deal with it really powerfully and having outlets for that. So they don't have to turn to outlets like, um, addictions and self-harm or violence or other things. They learn really healthy coping strategies for life outside of these negative coping strategies. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so I got one more question for you and we mm-hmm. have about three minutes left. Cause I forgot zoom does this stupid timer thing when you're um, on zoom. Um, so I'm going to finish it up with this. And like I said, I thank you for being a part of the podcast, Miss Laurel. Um, my last question is, this is what I ask all of my guests and you can relate it to, you know, what you do for a living. Um, how do you plan to capture the world? I'm capturing the world by empowering young people to grow up and just be powerful in this world and take it on head on and create a beautiful life that they're meant to live from a young age and not just young people, but even giving other older people a second chance. Like you can choose right now in this moment to live a beautiful life and the life that you deserve. And there are lots of support out there if you need it. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, Mrs. Laurel, Dr. Laurel Mines. I got to keep, I got to call you doctor. I can't just say it, miss. I gotta call you doctor now for real. <laughs> <Sounds> um, <laughs> but yeah. So um, before we get off of here, um, let's tell um, the listeners where they can find you as far as like social media and just, you know, all, all your links, let's give all your links out right now. Where they can find you can you. find me on my website. It's baylaurelathletics.com. You can also find me on Instagram at dr. L-A-U-R-E-L-P-T. So at Dr. Laurel PT on Instagram. And then I think my YouTube is at Dr. Laurel PT. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Once the video goes up, I'll make sure I put all the links on the video so everybody can see where to find you. Um, like I said before, Dr. Laurel, thank you again for um, you know, spreading your message and, and telling people what you do for a living. And, you know, uh, plenty of people can definitely utilize the help that's out there for student athletes, young athletes. Um, mental health is very important and um, it's a very real topic. And you know, a lot of us do go through different things. So if, if if it's somebody out there that can help somebody else, that's a blessing. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, suicide, it's a real thing, too. So whatever we can do to prevent that and, and get people thinking that wherever they're going through, they can make it through it. You know what I mean? So. I guess the younger you can um, attack that, the better. Um, like I said, thank you for uh, for being part of the podcast again. And um, this yeah, is thank eight. you for having me. And just remember, we're all in this together. We're all one team. Excellent, awesome. I definitely agree. Um, so yeah, this is David Carmichael the second, 
And this is episode 80 of the Caption World Podcast. Thank y'all to Spotify listeners, Apple Podcast listeners, and our YouTube listeners. Um, thank y'all again. And Dr. Laurel, thank you again. We can definitely have a part two of this one day too as well. So I would definitely love to have you part of another episode. And um, on that note, we out. Have a good one. Peace.